So one of the, the things that I often say is that if a parable does not shock or offend you at least a little bit and on some level, then you haven't really understood it properly. The parables that Jesus tells, they're meant to surprise and they're meant to confuse us so that we might open our eyes to what God is doing. They are meant to to lay something bare about our lives in relationship to God and God's kingdom. But they do so in a way that will break us open to God's love and to God's grace. So with this in mind, there is a danger with parables when they become either too familiar or too common, or if they reassure us in our prejudices. And I think that this parable that we've heard this morning, this this parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, it becomes dangerous in just this way. It, It reassures us of our prejudices, especially if we know the code. For you see, the code tells us that Pharisees are bad, that they are concerned primarily with being self-righteous and judgmental. The code also tells us that tax collectors are poor souls that Jesus cares for and are objects of God's mercy. And so to our ears, when we hear this parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, It no longer shocks, and it no longer causes us to be confused. It does not dismay. Rather, it confirms what we already think we know. And so let's try to hear this parable with fresh ears. Because to the people who were first listening to this parable that Jesus is telling, they found it disturbing. They couldn't help but have found it disturbing. And it's disturbing because of these two figures and how It upsets what the listeners think about respectable people and what they think they know about God. Now, like I said, the first figure is a Pharisee who appears to be living a life marked by faith and commitment. Now, like I said, we often think of Pharisees as bad guys who are are hypocritical and judgmental and self-righteous. And more often than not, the New Testament paints them in a bad light. But we should have some sympathy for Pharisees. After all, they were trying to to be upright and faithful worshipers and servants of God in a very difficult world and in a very difficult circumstance. They were striving to be faithful to Scripture and to the witness of their tradition. They lived in in an occupied country where the, the dominant Roman culture made it very difficult for them to be faithful and to adhere to the practices that set them apart as people of God. And so they came up with a goal. Their goal was to develop a system that would enable them to live in their day-in, day-out lives in response, in a faithful response to God, where they could place service to God at the center of their lives. In this way, They acted as role models to their fellow Jews. And even Jesus says that they should be listened to. Now, the second figure of this parable is a tax collector. And in many ways, tax collectors were the opposite of the Pharisees. 
They were collaborators with the Roman government, who often grew quite wealthy at the expense of their neighbors. They often did not care for God or for religious practice. Indeed, how could they, when how they lived was such a violation of God's law as laid forth in Scripture and the tradition? And as such, they were not living lives marked by faith and commitment. In fact, it was quite the opposite. And so the parable's stock characters are models of righteousness and unrighteousness. One, the Pharisee, is striving to be righteous. The other, the tax collector, simply is not. And yet the offense and the shock of this parable is that it is the tax collector, the unrighteous one, who walks away justified. It is the tax collector who now stands in right relationship with God. How can this be? Well, we need look no further than how the the Pharisee thinks of his life. He has assured himself of his own superiority over others due to his adherence of the law. He sets himself above others because he deems his actions as faithful. The life the Pharisee lives is right and righteous, and yet it has turned him against others, and in doing so, has turned him against God. He has become confused about the source of his own life, for indeed he trusts his own acts, and in doing so, there's no space for God. He's relied on his own system and not on God. And in contrast, the tax collector has nothing. He knows his own poverty in relationship to God. He has nothing to show God and no action that he can point to as worthy of praise. Instead, the tax collector knows that the only thing he can do is simply to rely on God's mercy and God's grace. He recognizes his total dependence on God. He has nothing else. And having no other option, he casts himself into God's arms. And the miracle is that God catches him. It is this realization that allows him to accept God's grace and mercy and thus know God's acceptance in turn. The end of the day, this is a parable that is more about God than it is about us. This is a parable about who God is and how gracious and loving God is. God's love as revealed here, is indiscriminate. God does not see with our eyes. God does not buy into our ways of valuing some people over others. Rather, God loves each and every person as a beloved child. This is who God is. And it tell, this 
Love, as revealed here, tells us indeed who we are. So know this. Your self-worth is not tied to your station in life or to the righteousness of your good deeds or the mistakes you've made. You cannot earn God's love through the adherence to a system or by a mountain of admirable actions. And the good news is that you do not have to. For the Pharisee, those good actions, those righteous deeds, they only got in his way. And rather than bring him close to God and close to his fellow human beings, instead they separated him from God and from his fellow human beings. And when the tax collector says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, the tax collector is opening his life up to God. He is making change and transformation possible. And by naming his own shadow, he is making wholeness and healing possible. It is merely a first step. But in knowing God's forgiveness and mercy, the tax collector now becomes truly free to respond to love with love and to respond to grace with grace. Now, if all of this is the case, the question for us becomes, how do we live into this reality? How do we live when we learn that our lives are simply gift? How do we live knowing that we have been made free? We might be tempted to think that it doesn't really matter how we live, since God will love us no matter what, and we cannot earn God's love. But the reality is that we will never fully know or appreciate this unconditional love of God unless we choose to open our lives up to God. And as we open our lives to God's gift, we will be drawn to give in turn. The shocking surprise of this morning's parable is this unconditional love of God. This is good news, but it's good news that takes a lifetime to live into and a lifetime to embrace. But wherever we may find ourselves, wherever we may be, we can take that first step and we can name our own poverty before God. Wherever we might find ourselves, we can open ourselves, open our lives up to God and to God's grace. Wherever we may be, God welcomes us into a loving embrace. Amen.